Okay, well, we're going to spend some time looking at the Scriptures together now. So if you have a Bible, open up your Bible to Proverbs. Proverbs is kind of in the middle of our Bibles. Uh, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. We've been studying this for a while, scandalous wisdom. I want to thank Terrell for sharing with us last week. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for his, I just appreciate his labor, his care that he would share the Word accurately. And it was so encouraging to me as I listened to the recording and just heard a lot of positive responses from other people as well. Terrell got to finish the section of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9, where it's cohesive units. So chapters 1 through 9, you've got like these 5-verse, 20-verse sections where it's like a whole sermon, you know, part of chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, moving into chapter 2. There are these chunks that go together. Now we're moving into the section of Proverbs past chapter 9, where it's just tons of of one-off, you know, little couplets couple of verses here, a couple of verses there. Kind of what we think of as normal Proverbs, just like the sound bites, the little fortune cookie, bumper sticker, short little pieces of wisdom, right? So now as we transition into this phase of Proverbs, we're going to start teaching through it in a topical way. So a book I would recommend as you're studying Proverbs on your own is by Derek Kidner. If you want to go deeper and understand more, this is a great book. I'll leave this up front if you want to flip through this. This is my copy, so please don't take it. You can flip through it or take a picture of it. And that's a great commentary on the book of Proverbs. Uh, But as we move topically now, we're entering into this phase for the next few months where we're going to just kind of arrange, like, what are the different Proverbs about work and rest and gender and family and words? Today, we're going to focus on words. So the the topic, the, the title of the sermon today is Use Your Words. Use Your Words. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 through 21. If you don't know... Where I was last week, I was visiting my grandchildren in Memphis. I've got a a two-and-a-half-year-old and then a little brand-new one-month-old, right? Two-and-a-half-year-olds, if you have kids or you've been around kids, you know at that age they're learning to use their words, right? And so two-and-a-half-year-old, a toddler, is beginning to be able to communicate well, to honor God, the glory of God within their humanity, and use language, to speak human language and communicate with others. Now, everybody's got different abilities in this area, right? But it is kind of a mark of humanity. And so if you've got a kid that's learning to use their words, sometimes they regress. Has this ever happened in your family? Sometimes they regress and they begin to grunt and whine, right? I mean, maybe even your husband regresses in this way. And when this happens, what do you say? You say, use your words. Yeah, right? Okay, use your words. Okay, no, no grunting, no whining, honey, right? Like, okay, stop throwing yourself on the floor. Let's use your words. Let's explain to mommy and daddy what the issue is. And so this is something you train children. As I said, it's really a mark of humanity. It's one of the glories of being made in the image of God that we have this power of language. And so we want to use this. We want to harness this power of language. We can only do this by God's grace. And so as we look at the text, we're going to be challenged to use our words for good, not for evil, but for good, to build others up, to recognize the power of these words, to recognize the beauty of these words, and to recognize our need for a a new heart, a new source for our words. And so we're going to start with Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. We're going to read these two little short Proverbs about the power of our words, and then we're going to move through and look at a lot of other Proverbs, try to reference the New Testament as well, how Jesus helps us to reuse and reclaim our language. But we'll start off in Proverbs 18, 
verses 20 and 21. If you don't have a Bible, it should be close to page 540 in the black Bibles that you'll see there under your chairs. Page 540, Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. What this proverb is pointing us to is that there is something more than bread alone that satisfies us as human beings, right? We're spiritual beings, and our words are a connection with these spiritual realities, the truths that we believe. Verse 21 really brings it home. Verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. We're spiritual beings. We speak spiritual realities with our words. Our language connects us to God. We can acknowledge who he is. We can praise him for his glory. We can confess our sin. We can confess our need of Jesus and his grace in our life. We can speak truth to our friends. We can correct when needed. We can speak encouraging words of help and hope when needed. We have great power in our words. We are called on by God to use our words for good to speak truth, to speak kindness. And we cannot do this apart from God's grace helping us. So as we do every week, we're going to pray before we study the scriptures together and pray that God's grace would help us to hear and to understand him. And then we're going to pray that the spirit would meet us as well in this time. So let me pray for us. God, we pray that you would be with us. We would pray that your spirit would fill our hearts, open our minds, that you would show us your grace, your kindness to us, specifically in Jesus. But even as we study your word and, and listen to your voice, God, that you would shape us and make us more like your son. Help us to use our words for your glory. Help us to be more like Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the big idea is that we use our words. That's, that's the title. And as we move through the text, I wanted to um, just kind of give a caveat. Kidner talks about this in his book, and I thought it was a very helpful kind of aside before we move on to how we use our words. And that is that our words are no substitute for right action. And so Proverbs emphasizes that a lot as well. We'll come back to that as we think about work and labor and how we spend our lives. But Kidner says this, our, our words are no substitute for right deeds. And he quotes Proverbs 14:23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. It's an important theme in Proverbs, right? You can say all kinds of great stuff, but you, you got to have actions that, that live up to what you're saying. And then Kidner says, they also cannot alter facts. And this is from Proverbs 26, verses 23 through 26. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips. We can use our power of words to disguise our true motives and actions, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. What does that mean? In the assembly, public accountability proves who we really are. So just to be clear, when we're talking about using our words, we're not talking about using our words in a way that doesn't honor our behavior, right? God wants us to live the right way, and that is an overwhelming emphasis of Scripture, and we'll come back to it in Proverbs as well. But we're also told to use our words positively. Now, I also want to say there's an aside uh, as well when we think about the current context of different kinds of cultic teachings and kind of like quasi-Christian teachings out there. There's a lot of teaching out there that says that we have this 
kind of overwhelming power of our words where we can control everything with using the right words, right? You may have heard of the Word of Faith movement. We would reject that. Or the Health and Wealth Gospel, we would reject that. Or the Prosperity Gospel, we would reject that. We want to acknowledge that our words do have incredible power, but it's subject to the power and the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we always want to put Him first, recognizing the power of our words, but, but saying He comes first, we can't just control destiny with our language. So as we move through the texts, multiple texts, and look at different Proverbs, we'll see three big ideas uh, in how to use our words. Number one, we have to respect the power of our words. Respect the power of our words. That's kind of the main emphasis from uh, chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. Respect the power of words. Number two, practice the beauty of words. Our words are meant to be beautiful. That's a major emphasis in Proverbs. Practice the beauty of words. And then finally, heal the source of words. Heal the source of words. We recognize that we can't use our words correctly unless we have a relationship with the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. If the Word, Jesus Christ, changes us, then we can start using our words in an appropriate way. So number one, respect the power of words. Respect the power of words. We see this again in verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Again, we don't want to mean this absolutely, like the Word of Faith movement says this sometimes, but there is real power, right? We don't want to go the other direction and say, it doesn't matter what we say. No, it really matters, right? We can tear people down with our words. We can build people up with our words. There's this saying we used to learn when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Y'all ever heard that before? That's actually not true, I'm sorry to say. Like, you shouldn't teach kids that. It's not true, right? Words can harm you. Now, we want to be careful and not veer off again into the like, oh, everything you say hurts. You know, we want to be careful and not be like total pushover wimps that can't stand for anyone to ever say anything upsetting, right? But as the speaker, we have to recognize, man, I've got got a lot of power in my words. And I need to be careful. I need to be mindful of the power of those words. Another verse that helps to bring this home is Proverbs 12:18. Proverbs 12:18 gives us kind of the main image that I want us to think about. Proverbs 12:18 says there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Other translations say reckless words. Proverbs 12:18 there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Repeatedly, I've been uh, reading through the Psalms in my devotional time. The Psalms talk about evil men whose tongues are like swords and arrows. And here we see, or you could be like the tongue of the wise whose tongue is healing, more like a surgeon's scalpel. So I had a picture of a a sword, right? Are Are your words like a dangerous battle sword? And you're just hacking left and right? Are you like a machete with your words? Are you careless? Are you rash? Are you reckless with your words? Or are your words careful and kind and healing? That's what we're asked to consider. How do we use our words? Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Another translation of the whisperer is the gossip, right? Did you hear about so-and-so, right? We love to talk about stuff that we have no business talking about. Gossip can destroy a community. 
Gossip is when you're talking about someone else's business when they're not present. Gossip is when you're saying something when someone's not present that you wouldn't say to their face. Gossip is talking about something that you have no power to heal. It just makes you feel better to, to talk about their suffering or their difficulty. Right? We have to be very careful about this. It can feel sweet and feel good, but it's a form of reckless swordplay. It's a form of using our words destructively. Proverbs 16.27 says, A worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. Rash words, unthinking words, unkind words, untrue words can be like a spreading fire that can destroy and ravage a community. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. We'll come back to this fountain imagery at the end in our third and final point, but the contrast here is very clear, right? The power of our words. Your words can be a a life-giving fountain, refreshing, or your words can be destructive, concealing violence. As we think about the power of words, I hope you've kind of picked up on this pattern, but there's like a positive way to use words and a negative way to use words. And I think it's helpful for us to filter this through what we would call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the reality that Jesus Christ has come for us to forgive our sin, to take our death upon himself on the cross, to be our substitute, to rise from the dead. That's our hope. That gospel is our hope. And Romans 6.23 phrases it in a positive, negative way, in a good news, bad news. The good news makes sense with the bad news, right? You've got to have bad news for the good news to even make sense. And the bad news is that we're sinners, that we're separated from God, that we're broken, that we're bringing death into our life from sin. And so when we think about the power of words, part of what we have to acknowledge is God calls us to speak hard things and sweet things to people. Some of you are better at some than others, right? I have to admit, I struggle with this by temperament. I just want to say sweet things, right? Like I never want to say things that make you wince. It's me being tethered to this book is the only reason I say hard things, right? Because temperamentally, I just want to say sweet. I just want to say there, there, and pat you on the back, right? Like that's how I want to talk, and some of you are like that. And you need to recognize, you know what? Sometimes I need to speak hard things. I need to speak truth even when the culture doesn't want me to. We have to do that as those who use our words and recognize the power of our words. But we also have to speak sweet things. There is real grace in Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So Romans 6.23 summarizes this. It's a helpful verse to memorize the good news and the bad news of the gospel. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. you got the bad news and the good news. The good news makes beautiful sense next to the bad news. The bad news is the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. We've all failed. The good news is Jesus offers life if we come to him. So I think that's just a helpful framework as we think about the good news and bad news we might be sharing with people as we respect the power of our own words. We recognize situationally, point by point, time by time, there's going to be opportunities for us to share hard things and opportunities for us to share sweet things with people. Um, When we think about that, Proverbs says it this way, uh, this is the word that the truth tellers, the people, those of you that like to say hard things, this is your verse. You ready? Proverbs 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What is that saying? Because a real friend is going to say hard things. 
A real friend is willing to point out a problem. When, when you're addicted or you're broken or you're hurting yourself or hurting other people, a real friend is going to speak up about that. But profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What is that saying? And I don't know if you can trust someone who's just always being sweet, which is scary because that's what, that's what I like to do, right? I want to be like, it's okay, it's okay, everything's fine. But the scripture says sometimes you, you got to say hard things, Right? One of my favorite uh, authors on management and leadership is a guy named Patrick Lencioni, and he is helpful for me to understand this. He talks about how sometimes we want to be nice when that's not actually being loving. Being loving is being willing to say hard things, and we have to recognize that. We're in a culture that tells us, be nice, be nice, don't say hard things. Be nice, be nice, be nice, never say anything hard. Sometimes we we need to say hard things. Now, you want to be careful, right? If you're this guy that loves this or this girl, that that's your favorite verse, right? You've got it up on your mirror and you're memorizing this like, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I am faithful, right? I'm going to wound people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's who you are, you might need to recognize the other Proverbs, right? Like, there's a time to be sweet and kind. Here's, here's some of the other Proverbs. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Can you speak this? Can you speak softly? Or do you just want to stir up that wrath, right? Like, don't let your temperament lead you, but submit yourself to the word of God. Be willing to speak the sweet things when that is needed and be willing to speak the hard things when that is needed. Proverbs 12.25, I have two of the sweet verses because those are my favorite anyway. Proverbs 12.25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Can you speak that way in people's lives? Or can you only speak hard truth? How do we do this? I'm trying to paint the picture that our temperament is not enough. Our personality is not enough. Our temperament is going to guide us in a certain way, and we're just going to be like a broken record, and we're just going to speak a certain way based on how we're made. We need something more than that. We need God's grace to help us to to speak the full truth according to the needs of the moment. So I think the number one way that we get to speaking the appropriate truth in the appropriate situation is praying, is asking God to lead us, to give us supernatural wisdom. Lord, help me to be willing to say hard things when I don't want to, which is most of the time. Help me to be willing to say these hard things, these hard truths. And maybe you're on the other side of that. Lord, help me to hold my tongue when I want to say hard things all the time. Help me to speak the the soft answer. Help me to speak the good word that encourages the person that's struggling with anxiety. Proverbs 26.4 and 26.5 is a really helpful um, study in this idea where we have basically opposite advice given to us on how to speak. Okay, Proverbs 26.4 and 26.5 says this, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. You like that one? Now here's verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Did you catch the contradiction there? Here's the thing. Both of them are true. I mean, that's why in Proverbs, they're put right next to each other so we don't miss it, right? They didn't want us to go, oh, there's been an accident. We have two verses that say different things. No, both are true. And the only way you can know when to 
operate and use these opposite pieces of wisdom is by the Holy Spirit. Is by the supernatural wisdom of God, the source of truth and grace, working this in your own heart. Pray and ask God to intercede in your life. Say, God, give me the supernatural wisdom so I can know when it's right to answer not a fool according to his folly. Sometimes people are speaking folly and you just need to ignore them. Sometimes people are speaking folly and you need to answer them according to that folly. You need to give them truth back and help them understand what they're saying. You need to wrestle with them through that. And only the Holy Spirit can teach us how to do that and when to do that. I think one of the best ways to grow then as we're praying, as we're learning from the Holy Spirit, how to use the power of our words for both positive and negative is to study the life of Jesus. Apprentice yourself to Jesus. He, he's the word made flesh. He is the embodiment of God's wisdom. And when you see Jesus, you see someone who is willing to say hard things and willing to say sweet things. We don't always know the right situation, right? If you read the internet, you'll read that the church's problem is that the church is always too hard. Or you flip to your other friend, you'll read the church's problem is the church is always too sweet, not willing to face the truth. What is the church's problem? The church's problem is is both things, right? (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit. We need God's grace. We need to follow Jesus and walk according to Jesus and, and speak the way Jesus speaks. A great book on the subject of Jesus and how he interacts with people is called Love Walked Among Us. Highly recommend that book to you. It's by Paul Miller. Or you could just do it the old-fashioned way and just read the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read the Gospels. Follow Jesus. Apprentice yourself to Jesus, and he'll teach you to respect the power of your words. Okay, the next point is practicing the beauty of our words. Practice the beauty of our words. Uh, We should see ourselves as artists. We're artists. Not only are our words powerful, both to bring death and to bring life, but our words can be beautiful, right? We see this in 25... 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Apples of gold in a setting of silver. What is that? We don't usually have a lot of gold apples and silver settings at our houses, but he's just talking about the beauty of uh, expensive materials, right? Fine art, gold and silver and jewels. That's what he's trying to make us think of here. He's saying that well-spoken words, wise words, wisdom, can be beautiful. Do you see the opportunity to bring beauty into other people's lives? A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Proverbs 15.23 says it this way, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season. How good it is. Sweet words. Again, some of you might be wired more this way. You, You love to think about how you speak and to speak beautifully. Others of you have never thought about it at all, right? And I'd say, man, this is an opportunity for you to use your words for God's glory. Uh, I found a picture here of Kintsugi. It's this uh, Japanese art of repairing broken pottery. And I've loved to use this illustration in the past as well. But it's this Japanese art of, of taking silver or gold or platinum and filling the cracks and remaking a pottery so that it's even more beautiful than it was before because of the beautiful gold and silver and platinum. It's a beautiful picture of the Christian life. One of my favorite books of the New Testament is 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, Paul reveals his philosophy of ministry. 
He's got these uh, critics that are confused by his ministry because he's like, but Paul, you are sick and you struggle and you get thrown into jail and, and you're not always the best speaker and you're kind of ugly, frankly. And, you know, there's just all this stuff that, that people were criticizing Paul for. And he's like, man, chapter one, I believe that at the root gospel ministry is me being comforted in my affliction so that I can comfort others. That's the heart of what it means to show the beauty of Christ. He goes on in 2 Corinthians to chapter 4, a famous passage you're probably familiar with where he talks about jars of clay, earthen vessels. He says Christians who receive the gospel and then try to share it with other people, we're like treasure in jars of clay. Our bodies are cracked and broken. We're limping. We're sick. We struggle with besetting sins, and yet we have this God that loves us. This Jesus who gives himself for us, and he's the the platinum shining through the cracks in our lives. So I want you to think of it that way. As you think about the beauty of your words, the beauty of your words are not based on you speaking the perfect word. It's based on you limping forward and trusting Jesus to give you the words moment by moment. God gives you beautiful words to speak in that he teaches you that you can trust him. Proverbs 24, 26 says that this way, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Truth, honesty, it's like a kiss. It's a blessing. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So we have two pieces of advice here. Restraint, again, some of you like to speak a lot. I'm guilty of that, right? We're going on 24 minutes already here. Sometimes we need restraint, right? We need to pull back, not say so much. I need to not think I have an answer for everything. But he also says in Proverbs 17, 27, he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. What is that saying? Not only can you hold back and use less words, but you can use Softer words, cooler words, more refreshing words. Cool there uh, is not cool like, I don't care, that kind of way. We use cool in the modern language. It's more like refreshing water when you're thirsty and you're in a drought. That's the way the language is used in Proverbs. Are your your words refreshing? Do they bring life to people? Do you show the beauty of wisdom in that way? Then Proverbs 17.28 picks back up on the restraint idea. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Again, encouragement from God. Sometimes the best use of our words, sometimes the most beautiful use of our words is not saying anything, <laughs> right? And again, we need the Holy Spirit to know when, when to do this. Like, when do, I, when do I just shut my mouth? And when do I speak? Walking with Jesus helps us to know the difference Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, and he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. We have all these competing proverbs of advice. How are we going to live our life? Again, I, th- I think it's helpful to remember the image of the cracked pottery. We have this grace in jars of clay, and the more we focus on the grace of Jesus, the more we're going to have the right thing to share. The more we're going to know, you know what? This person's killing themselves. They're hurting themselves. And I, I think I need to speak up, right? I'm not speaking up because it makes me feel better. I'm not speaking up 
because I'm proving anything to them. I'm speaking up because Jesus loved me and invaded my life, and I love them, and I don't want to see them hurting themselves. And I'm the opposite kind of speech, right? This person's just hurting. They need someone to just hold their hand and, and weep with them, right? Romans 12 says, we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. That's all built on the foundation of Romans 12, verse 1, that says we do all of this because of God's mercy, because of Christ's kindness to us. And so the more we remember Christ's kindness to us, the more we have something beautiful to say to others. Colossians 4 is one of my favorites. When we think about the beauty of words, Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The true beauty of our speech is when it's gracious, when it's fixated on God's shown kindness to me. I don't deserve this, but God's been gracious to me, and so now I can show grace to someone else. I love that he says that our gracious, beautiful speech is seasoned with salt. If y'all don't know me very well, you know I love salty food more than sweet food, right? He could have said seasoned with sugar, but he said salt here. So I just want you to pay attention to that. Love salty food, but this is true beauty. God says, speak beautiful things. Remember the grace of Jesus to you. God loved me and I didn't deserve it. And that's going to enable you to speak truth and beauty to others. Okay, finally, heal the source of words. Heal the source of words. We see this in Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. You see the contrast there again? The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. There's this image again and again that we are a fountain. Are you a good fountain or a bad fountain? In James chapter 3, a a New Testament wisdom book that parallels Proverbs in many ways, in James chapter 3, we're told that we have to really watch our tongue. He says, be careful. You don't want to be a teacher, right? Because we can be judged for what we say. He says, watch your mouth. Watch the way that you speak. Don't be like an unclean spring that's just bubbling forth gross stuff. Dirty water, right? That's not who you want to be. And so we need to heal the source of our words. If you find yourself, if I find myself speaking things that are not helpful, I have to check the source. I have to check my heart. Proverbs 4.23 is one that we've seen before. We were in Proverbs 4 a few weeks ago. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. How how do we do that? How do we keep our heart? How do we guard our heart? Well, we have a clue in Proverbs 15.28 that I already uh, read. It says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. As New Testament people of God, we would say ultimate heart pondering, guarding our heart, thinking about what we say, is recognizing I'm a sinner and I have great ability to speak damaging words. And my only cure for that is Jesus. And so me pondering how I speak is not saying, I've got to get this just right or I'm going to go to hell, right? Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, recognize the power of your words. Recognize the beauty of your words and then ponder the source. Where are those words coming from? Am I speaking out of a desire to justify myself before men? Am I speaking out of a desire to beat someone else so I can gain the advantage? Or 
as I ponder my heart, am I speaking out of the reality that the God of the universe has shown me grace in Jesus Christ? He's forgiven all my bad words in the past. He's forgiven all my unspoken things that I should have said. He's taken all that away and he shows me grace. And that gives me a a clean slate, an ability now to speak what's needed, to be mindful of the other person instead of mindful of me. So often we speak based on self, right? Like, what do they need me to say? What do I want people to think about me? What's going to get what I want in this situation? Instead of saying, man, Jesus is taking care of me. I can, I can just worry about the other person. What do they need? Do they need to be encouraged? Do they need to be challenged? How can I speak grace in this situation? I have a picture of a, a bubbling spring. I used to go to a Boy Scout camp in Salado when I was a kid, and Ozarka actually had a spring there where they would bottle water. I think that was part of how the camp made money is bottling water out of this beautiful underground spring. We could just like stick our face in it and drink right out of it. I think that was appropriate, but anyway, it tasted good. And it was just this fresh, cold water. It was fantastic. It was great to drink, although it was bad for the swimming pool. The swimming pool was so cold, like we didn't even like swim in it. It was just too cold. But the water was refreshing and cool. And the New Testament again and again tells us that as we guard our heart, as we ponder our words, and as we remember Jesus, he's going to make us a fresh spring. John chapter 4, John chapter 7. We've seen this a few times throughout the Proverbs series. In John chapter 4, Jesus says it this way, whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then very parallel things he says in John chapter 7, he says, if you, if you believe me, if you trust me, Jesus says, if you come to me, as the scriptures have said, springs of living water will flow from within you. It's this picture of, the new covenant, Ezekiel 36, being given a new heart, a heart of flesh. Jeremiah 31, having God's external law now written within us on our heart, changing the spring, changing the heart, changing the source. We can only have this source healed as we come to the grace of Jesus. That's ultimately what's going to heal our words, is looking at the source of our words. Where do your words come from? Do your words come from the desire to justify yourself, to prove yourself to other people, or do they come from the free grace of a Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you? Years ago, we were at a rehearsal dinner for a friend, and a four-year-old was sitting next to me, and he kept asking me to play with him. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll play with you, but we're going to finish our dinner first, and I'm talking with some of the grown-ups here, right? And so we just kind of kept having this Back and forth conversation, you know, Dave, will you play with me? I think he wanted me to play ninja or something. It's like, yes, for sure, but just give me a minute, you know, let me finish. And he kept asking, as four-year-olds are, uh, want to do, right? Just kept asking again and again. And I finally realized that he was a little perturbed because he'd been taught how to be polite, right? We teach kids a lot, the, the magic words, the special words, thank you and please, right? And he had used the word please, And he kept asking me, and he kept asking me. And finally, he was like, but I said, please, Dave. And he's like shaking his little baby fists, right? I'm like, whoa, okay, I think he misunderstands how this whole thing works, right? That's a child's understanding of please. Because I don't don't know if you realize this, but the, the linguistic background of please, where that comes from, is us saying, if you please, if you will, 
if you would be gracious to me, I don't deserve this, but if, if you please, if you would be so gracious to me, this would be a blessing to me, right? That's, that's really what we're saying when we say please. We're not saying, I've said the word, now you must do my will, right? Like that's not, but so often that's how we approach God, right? Our words are healed as we come to God with the open hands of faith. If you please. And then we look at the gospel and we say, yeah, it, it pleases him to give us himself. We see the father speaking about Jesus at his baptism. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So we come to him with the open hands of, if you please, by your grace, he will change us. He will teach us to use our words for his glory. We'll, we'll begin to honor him. We'll speak grace into other people's lives as we use our words in a way that points people to Jesus. Let me pray for us and then we'll respond in worship together. God, we thank you for your grace to us in Jesus. We see this as the ultimate source. The word become flesh. You're the one that gives us the right words to speak. We confess as a people, along with Isaiah, we're a, we're a people of unclean lips. We need you to atone, to heal, and to forgive us. And we thank you that you've done it on the cross. You gave us Jesus to take our sin. You've given us resurrection life. So help us to live by faith, to use our words in a way that honors you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.